Blog Talk Radio. Sitting in the air chair, 
My girl and co-host Angela Thomas is out, so you all have me. I want you to give me a call at area code 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, because I want to talk about all of this gloom and doom that I see on the news about the election. So the title of our show is called Remember We Survived Slavery? So enough is enough. Remember, we survived slavery. So enough with the gloom and doom. What are we doing to make things better? We don't need, the man hasn't, he's the president-elect. He's not even the president yet. So what are we doing to make things better? That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. How do we move forward? Because we got to move forward. If we don't move forward, what's the point, right? But we're going to talk about that today. Well, let me give you a little bit of insight about Our Own Voices. Our Own Voices is a radio show based here in Las Vegas, and it's based off of Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. That's everybody. And it will take everyone as it always has. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day to chill with us and share. Yes, there's things going on in the country that many of you may not like. That's how America typically works. Half of the country wants it one way. Half of the country wants it another way. Well, whichever half that's in power, usually the other half is not too happy. Got it. So how do we move forward from here? Remember, there will be elections once again in 2018. That Congress will be up for re-election all over again. And there will be elections for president once again in 2020. So but if you do not like what's going on, you'll be able to make a change. If you like what's going on, then you can vote to keep it. And some people may say, well, but he is he said this and he said that. Well, they all say this and they all say that. But do they do? What is the result of the rhetoric? Because oftentimes they'll even tell you. Don't even listen to what we're saying now because what we're saying now is has nothing to do with how we govern. Well, is that the case here? Are we killing ourselves off before anything has actually happened yet? That's, that's what I want to know. The man's not president yet. He's the president-elect. The president-elect has how much power? So if you hold up your hand and K symbol and look at just the O part 
that can be also interpreted as a zero. That's how much power the president-elect has right now. Zero. President Obama is still sitting in the seat. He is still a man for a few, actually a couple more months. So, yes, things are going to change. But they haven't changed yet. And we don't even know what some of those proposed changes will be. Now, we do know some of them because he has immigration is going to be an issue. He talked about the wall might be a fence in some areas. Well, maybe it needs to be a fence in some areas. Maybe it needs to be a wall in other areas. Uh, So really, are we getting ahead of our skis, so to speak? And let's just say, let's just say, it is the worst-case scenario. It is the doomsday scenario that so many people are talking about. What are we doing to prepare for the elections in 2018 to reinforce the checks and balances of Congress? Because Congress does have, that is the check and the balance for the presidency. Yes, there are going to be some Supreme Court, at least one Supreme Court nomination. That is going to happen. But again, I ask you, are we ready for it? Are you ready for it? What are you doing to prepare for it? How do we communicate to let folks know what we're not happy with and what we're happy with? Yes, we can protest. There's nothing wrong with that. But why don't we protest? I remember I, I put in the uh, the script for the show that, yes, we're rat- rallying and marching, protesting, exercising our freedom to assemble, freedom of, of expression, but I hope that there's some organizing going on. I hope there's some voter registration going on. I hope we're educating ourselves on the issue. What candidate are we going to select? I hope we're doing those things. Because if we're not doing those things, and if we are just walking in circles and making noise, yes, it is a way to bring about catharsis. So it's a cathartic experience to go out and walk and, you know, blow off some steam, so to speak, when things don't go your way. So that's the benefit of it. Okay, got it. Now, how much walking do we need to do to blow that steam off? And while you are walking, for however long, are you organizing? Are you educating the people that you're marching and rallying and protesting with? Are you strategizing? Coming up with the agenda that represents you so that you can pass on to the elected officials? Are you looking for viable candidates for the next election? They may be marching right next to you. So, no, I am not against it. 
it does serve a purpose as long as we make it serve a purpose. I've seen where people are getting days off from school, they're getting counseling, they're crying, emotions are running high, and and I understand that. Because if your side didn't win and you are afraid of the other side, I get it. But you're in fear. What are you doing to reduce that fear? If you truly feel that this election cycle went against your principles and you didn't vote, are you going to vote the next time? Because if you're marching and you didn't vote, how would you ever expect to get your ideas? How would you ever expect to get your ideas to the people who can execute those ideas and make a difference? Are you guys having town halls amongst yourselves, so to speak, to get yourselves together? Now, here in Las Vegas, when we have town halls, there's a lot of emoting that goes on, a lot of talking, a lot of personal stories. And, again, I get that that's catharsis. What are you doing to take it beyond that? Because if it just stays at that, then every election will go through this emoting phase and will go to our issues not being addressed. I won't be able to have a long show today because the NAACP officers' elections are happening today here in Las Vegas. And I think it's important. I try to vote in whatever organizations I belong to. I try to support them, organizations that are out there doing community work. I mean, not all, but I try to support the ones that I can believe in. What organizations are you supporting that can help bring about the change that you all need? No, I, the NAACP is the cure-all. As a matter of fact, our new nominee for Attorney General, Senator Sessions, doesn't, isn't, or was not a big fan of the NAACP. Now, maybe he's changed. Maybe he learned from that, confer- that judge confirmation here, hearing roughly 20 years ago. Maybe he's learned from that and he's changed. They always say America is a second-chance country. Well, Robert Byrd, the late Robert Byrd, used to be a member of the Ku Klux Klan, but he became that sage speaker, was able to put things in context, renounced his affiliation with the Ku Klux Klan, a.k.a. the Klan. and became an advocate for civil rights. Has Jeff Sessions, I believe his first name is Jeff, has Jeff Sessions made that turn? Maybe not as eloquent a speaker as Robert Byrd. Maybe not as distinct in appearance as Robert Byrd. He, he has changed. And if he has, and the president-elect has tapped him, do we give him a chance? Here's something else to think about. When President Obama was trying to get some of his cabinet appointments through, 
they faced a lot of opposition from the Republicans. And then Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid implements some changes to the operational process of the Senate. One of those is filibustering is not structured the same as it used to be. Now, when the Democrats were in power and President Obama was wanting to get his nominees confirmation moving forward and approved, the elimination of the filibuster helped. I believe, and someone fact-checked me, that also under Senator Reid's leadership, it came down from a two-thirds vote to a, a simple majority vote. Again, something to help the then folks in power get their objective of getting President Obama's nominees confirmed. Well, now that the Democrats are not in power and the Republicans have the presidency, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, how will this impact Donald Trump's nominees? He doesn't have as high of a hurdle to get over for his folks to be confirmed. Are we now going to lament the new procedures that were established under Democratic rule and specifically Harry Reid? It is the system. The Electoral College, it's been around since the Constitution, right? It is the system. I know there's a, I believe it's outgoing Senator from California, Barbara Boxer, has put up to get rid of the Electoral College, and it seems to be popular right now. Well, I'm going to ask us all to take a moment to just step back. Sometimes our feelings and, you know, the emotion of it all gets so heated and hot and we're ready to make a move. That energy, that nervous energy, that anxiety, maybe we need to take a deep breath, step back a moment, give it a little time, maybe reflect on the Thanksgiving holiday and what we have to be thankful for. You know, I don't look at it Thanksgiving as just being, oh, well, you know, the pilgrims came and blah, blah, blah. That was then, right? And there were some horrible things that happened because they came. But this is a time to give thanks, to reflect. Well, maybe now let's give thanks and reflect on all that we have in this great country of ours. And how do we move forward? Do we really want to abolish the Electoral College? Because I can tell you, if that happens, the way that it's structured and our population centers are, like in most countries, population centers tend to be on the coast. California, large state, large population. So if you go to California, matter of fact, there's only three states on the West Coast, actually on the coastline, even though Nevada is considered a West Coast state, is this California, Oregon, and Washington State. And like I said, Nevada is considered West Coast. But that's what you have. You have four states. So if you're a politician, you come visit those four states. Maybe three, because Nevada only has six electoral votes. 
So you come visit California, you go visit Oregon, you go visit Washington State, right? Well, then on what what, what do we have in the South? The 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 South, uh, like around Texas, right? You you have Texas. That's what you have. Maybe Oklahoma, but primarily you have Texas. Bunch of electoral votes. It's a big state with a big population. Alaska is a big state, but it has a very small population. Don't have to go there. As a matter of fact, they really don't go there now. But for sure, they don't have to go there. On the East Coast, where are you going? You go to New York, maybe Jersey. Of course, you go to Pennsylvania, maybe Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. You go to the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida. You know, you you hit all of that coast, basically, from New York down. You don't really have to go much further than New York because those are fairly small states in population, so they don't have that many electoral votes. So why would you have to go to Iowa, New Hampshire, Maine? For that matter, why don't you go to Delaware? Unless you're Joe Biden and you want to win your home state, there's no real reason to go to Delaware. So look at the Americans that you start to leave out. Oh, and then you don't you don't have to go to uh, to Kentucky per se. You don't even necessarily have to go to Tennessee. You can. You go to Ohio, Indiana, right? You go to those places. Maybe Wisconsin, Michigan, right? Maybe Minnesota, maybe. But look at how many states that you leave out. Because you don't even have to go to those. Yeah, you you want to go to Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. You want to go to those and maybe Wisconsin. Why go to the rest? There's, There's hardly any people there. So you don't go. Matter of fact, the whole middle of the country, there's really not much reason for going because there's very few people there. So our election really would be based off the coast and not even the whole West Coast, uh, most of the East Coast. I mean, once you get Florida, New York, California, and those other West Coast states, North Carolina, Jersey, Ohio, Indiana, right, maybe throw in Georgia, once you throw those states in, you're pretty close to your 270. Why do you need to? Why do you need to bother with the rest? Why do you need to go to Utah? You don't. I believe Utah has, I think it's four electoral votes. Somebody check me on that. Maybe five. You just, why waste your time in Utah? Some people say, well, we're gonna do it by county. Okay. Well, in Nevada, just as an example. The biggest county, population-wise, is Clark County. Why go to Reno? There's no purpose. There's very few people there. So you go to one county that will represent the whole state. It seems like everyone else is disenfranchised. The reason for the Electoral College was to ensure that the state to a small population would have 
some say-so in our form of government. That's not perfect because very seldom do I hear of anyone going to Montana or Wyoming. I don't hear of anyone going to me. It's not normal for presidential candidates to go to South Dakota and North Dakota, very few people, and it has very few electoral votes. But the electoral college that we have now forces the candidate to go to more states, and the electors are not bound by the popular vote. But usually, the electors go with the popular vote, usually. Now, we have a situation today where it looks like Secretary Clinton has won the popular vote by somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million people. And Donald Trump has won the electoral vote by a considerable number. So Secretary Clinton has won the popular vote by about 1.5 to 2 million. Donald Trump has won the electoral vote by quite a bit. Our form of government is representative. You know, we have a republic. And so the Electoral College carries the day. Now, those electors, they don't have to vote. I mean, some states do, but not all. The majority of them do not have to vote with their state. But usually they do. So if you want your state and your electors candidate, then you have to vote, and you should go out there and try to rally other people to vote and as how you see it. That's how our system works. If you want to change the system, then by all means get to work on changing the system. But until the system gets changed, this is it. So the gloom and doom, because 50% of the country's candidate didn't win, there's always going to be roughly 50% of the country whose candidate doesn't win because the country is split. Roughly, remember Mitt Romney's famous 47%? Well, guess what? The country is roughly split, 47% Democrat, 47% Republican. Democrats vote Democrat, Republicans vote Republican. But, of course, that can flip-flop, as we saw in this election. That's how you get a victor. And in this case, there is a Democratic lead in voters. But how are those votes distributed? Did the Democratic Party do enough to get people to want to come out and vote? Donald Trump got 8% of the black vote base of the Democratic Party. Now, that's roughly the same, which has been the majority up until President Obama, ever gets with black people. George W. Bush got, I believe it was 11%. That was really high. For a Republican Donald Trump got the Average 8% Now what did happen Was Hillary Clinton Got 80 I believe it's 88% Normally that would be In the 90% Range So that means there are some people That normally would have voted That didn't vote But of the people who did vote She got the same percentage that is typical did the Democratic Party and did she do enough to bring those people out to vote, to make them want to vote? What was her issue? What was it that spoke to those people who didn't come out to vote? I would suggest nothing because they didn't come out to vote. They were not compelled to vote. 
It is the job of the politician to compel them to vote. The Democratic Party should be doing what it needs to do to reach out to those Democratic voters, those black voters, to get them to vote. But there was some myths all along about this. Terry Clinton was supposed to be the juggernaut when it came to the woman vote. And Donald Trump, I believe, got more of that woman vote. Black women voted in mass for Hillary Clinton. But black people tend to vote in mass for the Democratic candidate anyway. Should we continue to do that? I say we come up, whomever, whatever your interests are, you develop your agenda. And then from your agenda, you use that as your guide to select your candidate. And if they don't speak to you, why vote for them? It's not always the lesser of two evils because they're still evil, right? So there's this gloom and doom, this atmosphere of, you know, everybody feels downtrodden, beat down. Well, first of all, that's 50% of the country. But it's not the whole country. If you want change, you have to be willing to put in the work to bring about that change. If you want your ideas heard, you have to be willing to articulate that idea and get that idea to groups of people to help push that idea, get that idea to that elected official or that candidate for that particular office to carry your idea. It's not for me to determine how long the folks should protest, rally, and march. It's not for me to determine how long people emote. It's it's an individual thing, and I I respect that. But I, I, I will say this. You have so much energy out there, and it's at a high level, higher than normal, say that high. Some of you are going to have to go back to work. Some of you are going to have to go back to school or whatever it is that you did before the election. And so things will die down. But that's actually when the most productive work typically starts. It's after the emoting phase, after the marching, the rallying, the chanting, because usually there's not much organizing. Unfortunately, that's when organizing really should take place is when you're doing it. There's a reality. So are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to educate yourself and educate those in your circle? Everybody doesn't know what you know, nor do you know what they know. Maybe that level of expertise that you have will help increase the level of expertise your relatives, your neighbor, your coworker, your friends, your spouse, your significant other. Oftentimes, people see the top and that's where they start, but it's hard to build the house from the top down. Usually a house, almost all the time, is built from the bottom up, starting with the foundation. And before they even get to the foundation, they have to break ground, the ground up. 
once they break the ground up and remove it, clear it, then they're able to start pouring the foundation, building the foundation and the structure of the house. To a certain extent, organizing and especially political organizing. It's like building that house, broken like the ground. Well, for the Democrats, maybe they feel like their party is broken right now. Maybe they even feel like the country is broken. But you have to break things sometimes in order to to fix them. Well, it's broken. So now what are you building? What structure are you erecting? Because we're going to have to live in it like a house. And I'm going to leave you with that today. So you've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host, Rodney Smith. And today we talked about enough with the gloom and doom. Remember, we survived slavery. And the reason why I put that up there, some people say, oh, you're just talking about black people. No, because when this country went to war, had its civil war, to rid itself of slavery. There were blacks and whites fighting, and the majority of them were white, from the north and from the south, and some Europeans joined the fray, also Caucasian. We survived slavery, and the country had to be broken, almost split in half, the north and the south, who fought. Struggles, there were strife. And then from that came unification, at least to a certain extent, more so than what it was. And America continued its steadfast march of progress to become the wealthiest country on the planet, the most powerful country on the planet. When a person is elected, is elected to be our president, they are often referred to as the leader of the free world. That's America. And as long as we're citizens of America, living in America, we're subject to the mechanics that work America, which is our political system, our economic. Learn it. Learn to exploit it. Be the best at manipulating it. And that's how you get the things that you feel that we need. Organize. It's broken. Part of the work is already done now. Once you're done emoting, marching and rallying, that's when the real work begins. I hope that you're ready. This is Rodney Smith with another edition of Our Own Voices Live. Today's topic was enough with the gloom and doom. Remember, we survived slavery. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday, and we try to get on around 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. We will be back on next week, probably talking a little bit more about Thanksgiving because it is a family holiday. Though we may not all be with our family or even be where we want to be, but it is a time to give thanks. And I really would like to know, and hopefully you all can Send some comments in about today's show and also about our upcoming show. Yeah, I want to hear what you thought about today's show. I'd like to know what you're doing to prepare for change 
But I'd also like to know, what are you thankful for? We live in America, a country where people almost die and sometimes die trying to get here from all sides, north, east, south, and west. That's America. That's where you live. This is your home. What are you doing to give thanks? How and when do you take time to count your blessings? Thanksgiving is right around the corner. If I don't talk to you before Thanksgiving, I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And if you truly have abundance, have thrived and flourished during this last year, please share some of that abundance to some of our fellow citizens who may not have had as good a year. Whether it's to make a plate and bring it in to that security guard that may have had to work because of security requirements of whatever facility, make them a plate. Or whether it's that person that you actually know is having a hard time with money right now. Maybe they're having one of those two-for-one turkey specials. Maybe buy them a turkey. Even if you plan on going out to eat or you're not really a person that does a lot of cooking for Thanksgiving, maybe with that abundance that you have and what you save, you can take a little bit of that and buy someone a turkey or a chicken. doesn't have to be a turkey. A ham for those who eat pork. A roast even. Something. Because sometimes the best way to show your thanks is to share what you're thankful for. Thank you all for listening today. I'm going to go and do my duty, and the NAACP is having their elections, and I'm going to try to make it down to the Doolittle Community Center. I hope that you all will find something that you can grab a hold of that can be your effort for society. We need help right now. I'll be back next week. Go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook to comment on today's show and let us know what you're thankful for. Go to Our Own Voices on Twitter and Google Plus if you'd like to share some of your thoughts from today's show. And if you'd like to tell us what you think, how you celebrate Thanksgiving. This is Rodney Smith on behalf of myself and Angela Thomas. You can listen to Our Own Voices Live. And until next week, be safe. Count your blessings. Bye-bye.